In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about moist books, yellow smells, and a fanny pack (laughs) in our discussion of Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. I feel like the standard disclaimer should start with, this book is moist. (laughs) We are going to say the word word moist a lot. So many times. Oh, my God. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about moist spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just want to be moist and you don't care about any of that, then listen up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. I wonder what the phobia is of the word moist because some people really hate I know that. some people really don't like it I feel like this episode is probably not going to get very many listens they're going to listen to the first 20 seconds and they go nah <laughs> nah not for me or we do what we have been known to do is latch onto something early days and completely forget about it yep yeah. also a possibility it's fine <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you, my friend, have background info this time, so I think you should share it. Oh, okay. I, it was from the acknowledgements, and I thought it was very in, in the book because I read the book. I didn't actually listen to this one. I was so about I to say, yeah, Claire, I read the book too. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but the don't audiobooks tend not to have the acknowledgements in them as well. Mm. So, which is a shame, I think. I think it's a shame because there's lot there's lots of tidbits in there and like tidbits and interesting information and it's nice to see, you know, who the the author wants to acknowledge, but they don't tend to have them on the audiobook. So, in the physical copy of the book, um this was listed. Um, and I remember when we spoke to Travis Baldry last year. Was last year or the year before? Must be the year before. God, yeah, I think it was um, the year before. I I can't remember. <laughs> in the past, sometime, some at some point in the eighty-four years, we spoke to Travis Baldry, and uh, I mean, it was an amazing interview, and it was so nice. And he was hinting at what the second book was going to be about, and he said it's very different, and it's not going to have any of the repeat characters. Well, it does. It has Viv again, doesn't it? Yeah, it it's, does. It's a prequel story for Viv. So it was a little bit of a shock. Um, I'll be honest, I, I pre-ordered it without reading the summary. Same. Um, what? <laughs> I do that. Um, so when I was looking through the acknowledgements, it actually says, and I'll just read the quote out, my second book was going to be Cozy Fantasy Mysteries set in the city of Thune. Fantasy Murder Sherrod, yes. which sounds freaking amazing. Yes. It's centred around the magical college of Akers, involving a 500-year-old elf and instructor of thematic forensics. Um, after being passed over for the deanship of Akers for someone infinitely less qualified, she angrily retired from her professorship to become a romance novelist. 
and not particularly successful one. Thus, when contacted years later to investigate the death of the dean who took her job, she returned to Thune in Akers with her affable himbo in tow to investigate the mysterious death, if only to shake the hand of whoever did it. <laughs> Along the way, we learned about the way magic functions in the territory, more about the magical and the lack and Thune's underworld, and we follow the formation of her fledgling detective agency in the rooms above her university bookshop. And I think that sounds absolutely freaking amazing. And I'm a little upset that it's not. But if you go on to read the rest of the acknowledgements, um, Travis Baldry just says it was. It just didn't come together. It wasn't right. It was very forced. There wasn't an organic nature to the book, so it wasn't a comfortable. He wasn't comfortable with it. But he did steal a lot of elements from it and put it into bookshops and bone dust. Nice. Um, so I kind of hope in some way, shape or form he is able to one day do um, a fantasy murder she wrote in some form because I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I was really interested in what the second book was supposed to be, but didn't. Yeah, but I definitely would read that. And this this character is clearly in this book so she exists in the world so hopefully yes maybe something will come out later in 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 the future one day one day but you know i can appreciate that if an author's not happy with it you don't want to be putting out a product they're not happy with Mm -mm. no that's fun Mm. and now i really want to read that so same (laughs) or watch some murder shrugs oh i love murder shrugs it's also good I don't know that I have initial thoughts with this one other than, like, oh, okay, it's more Travis Baldry? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Good. Pre-ordered, <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> pre-ordered the audio as soon as I could. Yes. I pre-ordered, <laughs> I pre-ordered the Waterstone Special Edition, which is signed and um, spray-edged. It's nice. very pretty. That's nice. And it got delivered but I didn't ever see it because my hubby intercepted it from the postman <laughs> he was like I don't know what to get you for Christmas so I'm just going to intercept your Waterstones pre-orders so I was like okay so I got my Waterstones pre-orders and then he kindly bought me another special edition um, copy which did actually come with a little um, lithographic picture as well That's of fun. the cover and again it's signed and it's sprayed edge so slightly obsessed and I've only got two copies of Legends and Light Years and a third one that's on order. So, I like these books a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty precious. They are, they are. I don't know what, what about it is, but they've just, they've just sucked me right in. I think a lot nice. of it for me is what we learned when we interviewed him, you know, 84 years ago, was that he was so tired of narrating all of this like gruff explosions and war and he wanted to do something precious and so he wrote it because he just keeps getting cast doing everything terrifying and he's like no I want to do something nicer (laughs) so I wrote it myself like yes here for that hey if you've got the talent to be able to do that I'm all for it so and obviously Travis Baldry does and he has the talent to be able to do his own audiobooks as well. Yes. So I'm I'm more than here for it. Yeah. I think I'm glad we pre-order. I think that's why gosh, we just keep talking and we should really start the summary, but I really think that's why his books are so good, especially the dialogue. The dialogue is fantastic and it's well, it's because Travis Baldry's a fucking narrator. He knows what to say to make it sound good. 
it's natural exactly it's a natural conversation that takes place um you know i found that in another book i recently read as well um that it just it had the it had the correct style of banter um which i really liked as well so yeah okay i think we should probably dive i think we probably should be discussing yeah we already are (laughs) viv is cutting a swath through hordes of undead the necromancer varine the pale's skeletal ranks fall to her sword and hammer Viv has pulled ahead from her party, Rackham's ravens. She's young, full of strength and power, until she takes a spear to the leg. Dizzy with blood loss, her leg unable to sustain her weight, Rackham's ravens fight past Viv and leave her behind. If she doesn't die, they'll pick her up when the fight is done. Rackham returns sometime later, unable to find Vereen the Pale, but they have word that the necromancer may be up north. The ravens will head there while Viv is sent to a local town to rest and recuperate. If, when they pass back through in a few weeks' time, she's there and healed, Viv can rejoin the party. But for now, she's out of the fight and learning a harsh lesson in the process. No, I don't want to learn a lesson. No. No. Viv wakes in a bed too small for her orc frame to in a bare room with a boring view and the sound of the sea. Her leg hurts a lot, but at least it has clean, fresh bandages. After an hour of going stir-crazy, Viv reluctantly reaches for the crutch left for her and her sword, but not her hammer, which seems to have gone missing, and wobbles down the narrow stairs to an empty tavern below. Behind the large bar is Brand, the seafare tavern keep, cleaning glasses. Is he, he offers her breakfast. Is he cleaning Is them? he, is is he, he cleaning really glasses, cleaning? or is he just cleaning the single glass over and over again? He offers her breakfast of eggs, bacon and potatoes and delivers the mouth-watering delight mm. in a hot skillet a short time later. Mm. Brand explains to Viv that she is in the coastal town of Merck and the tavern is called Perch. Merck is generally a quiet place with the ship's aren't in, so it should be a good place for recuperation. Viv decides to explore, but as she leaves, Brand says he'll see her in ten minutes. <laughs> Merck seems half asleep. Viv walks by another orc who nods at her in greeting. Continuing down the bank, Viv can see the piers, various shops including Thistleburr booksellers, sale mender, and junk shops. Then she catches the delicious smells from Seasong Bakery. Having no money on her person and no inclination to go back to the perch to fetch any, Viv turns to exercise as distraction. The other orc makes his way past her again and introduces himself as pits. It seems he was witness to Viv's entrance into Merck and her attempts to perform grievous bodily harm on the local surgeon, Hylark. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) After, Viv heads up the dune to practice with her sword, and it doesn't go well. Her stumbles are witnessed by a Tepenti, Iridia, the head gate warden, and she doesn't appreciate Viv being in Merc or the likely trouble she'll bring. Charming. She's very welcoming, isn't she? <laughs> Reluctant to spend the rest of the boring day being bored in the boring perch, Viv heads to Thistleburr booksellers, but breaks one of the broadwalk planks on her way. Uh, oops. <laughs> Inside smells exactly as an old bookstore should, with added hen house, dog, mildew, and disappointment. Do not add that to your bookstore. No. Especially the disappointment. Hen house, dog, and mildew were fine. Disappointment? Nah. Nah, dog. Nah. 
Stacks and piles of books and papers are everywhere, so it's unsurprising that Viv knocks them over with her sword, causing a strange little creature that looks like a pug with an owl face covered in fur and feathers to come running from the back of the store, making straight barking hoots at her. <laughs> the creature is a griffith called Potrose. I love him. One would assume by the profanity being directed at her from the ratkin following it. <laughs> I love the fact that the fact there's just this swearing here. Just everything the, about this scene. <laughs> the potty-mouthed ratkin is called Fern. She's friendly and boisterous and able to talk Viv into buying a book on credit until tomorrow for the inconvenience of knocking over the papers. Which, if you ask me, is actually Fern's fault because she has not tidied the place in years. Yeah. Anywho, the book Fern hands her is called Ten Links in the Chain. It's got curses and jailbreaks, sword fighting, and a one-eyed dwarf with a murderous streak. Reluctantly, Viv takes it, but over dinner in the perch that evening, she can't put it down. Viv continues to read into the night, falling asleep with the open book on her chest and devouring the rest after devouring another one of Bran's hearty breakfasts. Can I just ask how many times have you fallen asleep with a book? Because it's so good and you don't want to stop reading it. There was one that was a bit too heavy, like a hardback book, and I thought I nearly broke my nose with it once. (laughs) As a storm hit during the night and shows no sign of abating, Viv decides to stay in the dry confines of the perch. When someone comes in the tavern, Viv hopes it's Fern, bustling in, demanding her payment. But instead, it's Hylark, the surgeon, sporting a lovely bruise from their previous meeting. Hylark, an elf, tends to Viv's wounds in her room and reluctantly offers her a salve, which will hurt like a nest of hornets continually stinging her, but should help speed up the healing process. Eager to be healed and back out with the ravens, Viv agrees, and for the many, many hours of horrible, terrible pain she endures, she wishes she didn't. By way of apology to Fern for being late, Viv brings freshly baked goodies from Seasong Bakery and its flirty dwarf baker merely. Viv is instantly forgiven. They talk about ten links in the chain before Fern recommends another book, Heart's Blade, which is slightly different and Viv only needs to pay for if she doesn't finish it. On her way back to the perch, Viv nearly goes ass over Tusk and the broken boardwalk again, so she flags Pitts down to bring supplies so she can attempt to fix it. They arrange to meet for repairs at noon the next day. The perch has filled since Viv left, and a spiky-haired gnome is sitting in what she's come to feel is her chair. After a failed negotiation, Viv shares the table but doesn't get the chair until the gnome starts bugging her about what she's reading and then interrogating Viv about Rackham's ravens, at which point Viv gets her spot back. Galena wants Viv to recommend her to Rackham, but Viv doesn't like her because she's interrupting her reading. And, you know, she doesn't really know her to be able to endorse her. Galena stomps off. This is not the last you will see of Galena, friends. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, Viv meets Pitts outside the bookstore. He's brought tools and supplies and leaves Viv to stumble through fixing the broken plank. At one particularly loud point, Fern and Potroast come out to see what's going on and Fern is taken aback and stomps off down the road. A short while later, Viv finishes fixing the plank and cleans up just in time for Pitts to inspect and, moments after, Fern arrives with a fresh loaf of bread in hand and feeds the two orcs lunch as thanks. 
When Pitts leaves the shop with a book of poetry in hand, Fern has a breakdown and admits to Viv she'll be lucky to have the shop open in a month's time. It needs too much work and it gets no business and she feels like she's let her father, who opened the store 50 years ago, down. Viv suggests burning the carpet as a start because it smells yellow. Gross. Mm-mm. Ew. That is That's not disgusting. a good colour to smell. Mm-mm. No. 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 Do not smell the yellow carpet. Mm-mm. No. I feel like it would only be worse if it was brown. Oh, Ugh. It's probably got brown on it. Oh, it's probably <sighs> moist. Oh, it's so moist. <laughs> but not in a good way. <sighs> because she's already out and about, Viv visits Highlark for her checkup early. His office is floor-to-ceiling books. They're well taken care of and organized. Exactly what Thistleburr should be. Not moist or yellow. Highlark inspects Viv's leg and finds it's progressing well enough that she can swap the crutch for a walking stick. He's also equally surprised when he sees Viv's copy of Heart's Blade. Viv's a reader? What? On her way back, Viv spots a suspicious, cloaked, and creepy hooded man in the shadows. He gives off an aura of trouble and danger. In contrast, walking past Seasong Bakery, Maylee intercepts Viv with a bag of goodies and a wink. Later, Viv is helping Fern clean the rugs, sweep the floor, and even suggests moving some of the floor books and sea charts into the back room while they discuss Heart's Blade. Fern likes the improvements, but feels terrible that she hasn't done it before and worries that she's just been pretending. Relating it back to Hart's Blade, Viv suggests Fern reframe her thinking. A short time later, a grizzled man comes into store wanting nighttime reading material, not a sea chart, so Viv recommends ten links. A seal! An actual seal! After he leaves, the friends come to an agreement. Fern will keep Viv supplied in books if Viv continues to spend time at the bookstore. I want this deal! Same! Will somebody please give me this deal? Please! Fern's next book recommendation is Sea of Passion. Viv agrees so long as she can have somewhere to sit. The next day, Viv goes looking for pits and bribes slash thanks him with a sack of baked goods from Merely so she can use his cart to carry two chairs and a table she buys for the store from a gnome estate sale. Which I imagined, like, I could see in my head you looking around this estate sale at the same time. Yes. So you were there. Yeah, good. I'm glad I was there. Speaking of gnomes, Galena is hanging around the perch, sitting in Viv's seat again, and, to Bran's annoyance, putting her feet on the table. Ah, troublemaker. She keeps eyeing Viv. Do not put your feet on the table in a place where you eat. It's just rude. It's It's it's, just rude. It's yellow or slightly brown. It's yellow. It's yellow or slightly brown, you're right. Mm. Sea of Passion is moist. Viv decides she needs to read it in her room at the perch alone and not while being closely and carefully watched by Fern. Because it's so moist. (laughs) Luckily, an actual customer comes in, distracting the ratkin from taking the piss out of Viv further for enjoying the moistness of her book. 
<laughs> While Fern helps the customer, Viv heads to a little area behind the perch away from prying eyes to exercise with her sword. But when she returns to the store, it's to find the creepy hooded man looking at the shelves. Her initial judgment turns out to be accurate when he slaps the excitable jumping pot roast to the floor. No, not dog. No. As Fern turns all her expletives to him, he leaves. Viv needs to find out who the hell he is. Viv follows the creepy hooded man down the street and confronts him. She doesn't get any information out of him, but there is a smell about him that she recognises but can't place. Is it yellow? It's not yellow or brown. It's like something else. cold oh. and winter oh. and blue. Not-so-friendly words are exchanged and they end up getting into a fight in the street. Galena, the annoying but scrappy gnome, happens by and joins in, but it's eventually stopped by the gate wardens headed by Iridia, who throws the three of them in the Merc Fortress cells. The creepy hooded man is in one cell, while Viv and Galena in another. He doesn't move or speak all night. Galena is a chatterbox, though, and manages to get Viv to talk about Rackham's ravens and bargains with Viv for her to read the book Fern dropped off with some goodies from Seasong. Galena is asleep before anything gets moist. <laughs> when Viv and Galena wake up, the creepy hooded man in the cell across from them is gone. They shout for the guard, and eventually a dwarven night watchman comes staggering in. He doesn't know where he's gone either. Eight hells! When Iridia arrives, she starts asking Viv and Galena who he was. Yeah, they don't know, and shouldn't she have asked him that when she still had him in custody? Patience and time obviously wasn't the wisest course of action in this case. Viv is finally given a chance to explain what happened in Thistleburr and tells of pot roast being hit, the guy being weird and his smell being familiar, but not yellow, and how she thinks he's linked to Varine the Pale. They also can't go through his belongings as he took them with him after knocking out Luca, the dwarven guard. Eventually, Aridia sets Viv and Galena free. The next day, Viv makes her way to Thistleburr to find Fern repainting the front of the shop and willingly joins in painting the bits Fern can't reach. Which, to be fair, is probably most of it. Right. She's a tiny little rat. She's a tiny little rat. She's a... She's precious. Later, Galena comes by to make a nuisance of herself and Pot Roast falls in love with her. After, Viv heads to Seasong Bakery to give Miley a gift, a book of gnomish pastry recipes, and she absolutely freaking loves oh, it. It's so sweet. After the creepy hooded man came to the shop, Viv has taken to keeping her saber behind the counter. A few days after the incident, Viv finally finishes Sea of Passion, which she finds out was written by Zelia Greatstrider, a local author who you might have heard us maybe a little bit fangirling about in the background information. <laughs> Pitts also comes in and asks for more books of poetry like the one he got earlier. In the perch that evening, Maylie joins Viv for dinner and makes her intentions very clear that she wants to get to know Viv for the short time she'll be in Merc in a moist way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> Their first date is a boat trip to feed the fish and drink gin. <laughs> Moistly. 
moist <laughs> I, I, I will give you my moist intentions <laughs> Viv and Pot Rose head to the top of the bluff overlooking the city so Viv can exercise they find an old cemetery at the top and spy a grand estate which is where Zelia Gritstrider lives Galena seems very interested in Viv and Mary's burgeoning relationship it is however none of her business Later at Thistleburgh, Vern gives Viv her next book, A Mystery, The Lens and the Dapplegrim. As they're talking, Galena comes running in. She's found the creepy hooded man and he's dead. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. Galena shows Viv the creepy hooded man's corpse. Yeah, he's very dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's a corpse. He's definitely dead. You dead. <laughs> She also explains that Pitts walked by and ran to the gate wardens when she told him there was a dead, creepy, hooded man. This gives Viv and Galena only a few moments to look around. The creepy, hooded man's coin purse and mage stone are there. Viv peels back his shirt to see a stab wound and a mark that looks like a diamond with branches that look like horns. <gasps> That's Vereen the Pale's symbol. She was right. Further searching reveals his satchel, which they are able to hide again just before Iridia and the gate wardens arrive. Iridia is unsurprised to find Viv and Galena standing over a murder victim, but doesn't think they had anything to do with it. She orders Luca to search the area for the creepy hooded man's bag, and lucky for Viv and Galena, Luca isn't great at his job and doesn't find it. Galena dashes out when the area is clear, grabs the satchel, and they take it to Thistleburr. It is, however, just a bag of bones. Or is it? No, it's exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, raking through the bones, Galena pulls out corked bottles full of bone dust. Examining the bones, Fern points out inscriptions engraved on them and explains the bones are enchanted to animate. Clearing a space in the shop, Viv takes a pinch of the bone dust and sprinkles it on the bones. Oh, well, nothing happens for the longest time but then the satchel starts to move and slowly a spray of bones moves into place and a homunculus stands before them before taking a bath oh my god i love him so much <laughs> i also just really love the word homunculus really good word it's a good scrabble word isn't it it's so good <laughs> The homunculus isn't able to give completely straight answers to their questions, stating he exists to serve and is the ladies who created him, but can serve whomever wakes him with the dust. Obviously, the lady is Vereen, and he must keep her secrets. He is able to give his name, though. Satchel. (laughs) He's named after the goddamn bag. Satchel confirms the creepy hooded man was called Balthus, and he stole him when he fled the lady, but he can't confirm if Vereen is coming to Merc. They decide not to hand Satchel over to Iridia and that he should stay at Thistleburg. The next day, after her checkup with Hylock, which merely accompanied her too, Viv heads to Thistleburg and sees Satchel out and cleaning. Fern felt guilty looking at the bag of bones all morning, and Satchel insisted on being useful. It hells, man! Galena walks in and spots the homunculus doing housekeeping straight away as well. They need to discuss what to do with Satchel, but he's perfectly happy cleaning for the moment. It's precious. Conversation then turns to something said the previous day, that Satchel wasn't the only thing stolen. Satchel can't explicitly say 
what with, you know, the lady's secrets and all, but heavily hints about a place to tidy and organise on the shelf and wonders what we discovered there that, unfortunately, goes all over their heads. Honestly, very frustrating. Then Viv heads out to exercise with Galena. Everything is quiet. Perhaps too quiet. Which puts Viv on high alert. Satchel continues to clean and tidy Thistlebur, turning to a pile of bones and rolling for cover if a customer actually comes in, except for Maylee, who comes in to meet him. Meanwhile, Fern has been selecting books from a catalog to make a new order, though there is literally no room in the store to put any of these things. Viv suggests having a mystery book sale, and they decide to wrap the books to hide the covers and list words to describe them. Ten links in the chain could be sword fights, beheadings, betrayals. Though Fern suggests moist. <laughs> Fern knows what's up. She knows what's going to sell books. She knows how to sell a book. <laughs> One evening, while eating her dinner at the perch and reading The Lens and the Dapplegrim, Viv is joined by Rydia. They don't become friends during their conversation, but they certainly develop a better understanding of each other. When Viv returns to Thistlebird, the place is wrecked. Fern has thrown herself into the mystery book sale full pelt. As she's digging out books for Satchel to wrap and Viv to mark up, she finds a huge, mysterious tome. Satchel warns her not to open it. Obviously, this is the secret thing Satchel was hinting at years before, and of course neither Fern or Viv listened to him and opened the book. The pages are pure black, except it's not ink. Each page is a portal to an underspace, and Vereen has stored something inside. Viv dips her hand into the pages and pulls out a huge greatsword that she is instantly in awe of. Suddenly, the surface of the page ripples and vibrates. It's Vereen's warning. The book is calling to her. It. it hells, oh my god. And I don't know about you, but this was very hocus pocus oh, definitely. in my head. Oh, Well, there's only one thing to do. Give the book to the Gate Wardens with a somewhat edited story about how they know it's Vereen's. And then it's missing a sword. (laughs) It's not in the index anymore. It's crossed out. (laughs) A few days later, it's time for Fern's mystery book sale. Pitts helps set up stalls and Maylee drops by with a basket of goodies to help encourage business. Overall, it goes really well, as passengers and crew from newly docked ships stop by and residents of Merck take an interest. With half the stock sold, Thistleburn now looks empty until the new books arrive, but Viv points out it gives them room to really clean and redecorate the store, and Fern begrudgingly agrees. Viv, Fern, and Maylee make a day of shopping for new furniture and supplies, and when all the decorating is done and the new furniture is installed, it does make Thistleburr look really good. At the end of a hard day's work, Satchel thinks he sees something outside the store, so they decide it will be best if he stays with Viv overnight. Viv's dreams are filled with Vereen the Pale, who tells Viv she has something of hers, black blood, the great sword she pulled from the book. When Viv suddenly awakens, she is clutching Blackblood's hilt. She confirms its name with Satchel in the morning, who warns Viv that the lady will come and that she can't be killed with steel. But perhaps there is another way. Ooh, mysterious. Viv, Maylee, Fern, Potroast and Galena go for a picnic on the bluff. Satchel comes along but is carried until they're out of sight of Merck. They spy Zelia Greatstrider's estate, and Maylee tells Fern to get the writer to come to the store. Scones and sexy books? 
Yes, please. The friends relax, enjoy their food, and have a nap until Satchel, who went for a walk, calls Viv over to see a patch of earth blasted black, and in the powder, a diamond with branches like horns. It puts an end to their outing, and Viv intends to tell Iridia the following day. Though it ended on a sour note, on their return, Fern finds a note in the door jam. Her shipment will be delivered the following day! Yes! That night, Viv has more dreams about Vareen. Luckily, finally winning pot roast over with bacon and Fern's shipment distracts Viv from dwelling on it. The books are glorious and include copies of Zelia Gritstrider's latest. Viv asks about the store's reopening and offers to go and speak to Zelia Gritstrider about coming for it and Fern agrees. Galena also stops by, not to help of course, but to ask for Viv to join her on a spineback bounty she found on the Merc Naughty Sport. Satchel loathes Spinebacks and offers to join them. Later, Viv heads to the Gate Wardens and warns Iridia about the burnt symbol they found, and luckily, Iridia takes Viv seriously. Viv, Fern, and Potroast head to the Great Strider Estate by coach. They knock, and the door is opened by a human. Burke, Zelia's everyman, and maybe a himbo. He accepts the goodies from Sea Song Bakery and will see if they, along with calling Zelia Miss Great Strider, will butter her up. A few minutes later, Burke comes and ushers them inside. Zelia Great Strider is impressive and imposing, reclining on a long divan with an open book. Zelia is intrigued by Viv and Fern, their directness, and their proposal to join them for Thistleburr's grand reopening. The offerings from Sea Song Bakery also do a lot of the heavy persuading. In the end, she agrees to attend. Preparations are made and flies and signs are distributed. Satchel will attend, but will watch from a box on the counter Fern has made. It would be too risky to have him out and about. Fern has made sure to have stocks of Zelia's newest novel, Thirst for Vengeance, and offerings from Seasong. Luca, the dwarven gate warden, is a huge fan of Zelia's and is completely nervous meeting her. Viv and Burke watch the proceedings, Burke noting that Celia has never done this type of thing before, and Viv, roundaboutly, asks if Burke provides inspiration and logistical help with most of the sections of Zelia's books. A.K. Are the banging? <laughs> yeah, pretty sure they are. Moist. Pretty sure they are. But she doesn't get a clear answer. Overall, the day goes absolutely brilliantly. The next day, Viv, Galena, and Satchel, in his satchel, head off to the Spineback Bounty. When they get to the farm, the farmer tells them their sheep are going missing and points them in the direction of the Spineback Nest. They easily enough find it and deal with the creatures inside, but it's strange. Viv notes the creatures are clearly starving, and for typically messy eaters, there are no signs of any kills, so they couldn't possibly be responsible for the death of the flock. At least they got to see Satchel in action, though. He starts to glow blue and is able to control bone fragments to rip apart the spinebacks, and it is amazing. <laughs> As they start to head back to the farmer, Viv catches the smell of winter blood. Following it into the woods, she finds the remains of the missing sheep and a drawing of a diamond with two branches like horns. Son of a bitch! Dang. As quick as the mule and cart can take them, Viv, Galena, and Satchel head back to Merc. 
When they arrive, the warning bells are ringing in the fortress. Viv directs Galena to Thistlebird to check on Fern and Potroast to keep them safe while she heads to Merely and tells her to get her mace, stay inside, stay awake and keep the doors locked. After Viv heads to the Gate Wardens, she needs the book she gave to Iridia, but she finds the Gate Wardens fighting Vereen's whites. Making her way through the throng of battle with black blood in her hands, Viv eventually locates Iridia. It thankfully takes little persuasion for Iridia to hand over the book. Once Viv has it, she opens it. I don't even know if I can read the rest of the sentence. It's the worst thing ever. Um, trigger warning for, for bibliophiles here. She opens the book and dog ears one of the pages of the book. Ugh. You were strong and I admire you for reading that out loud. When they emerge onto the street, Vereen's whites are standing to attention. As one, the white's jaws open and Vereen's voice comes through. She wants to meet Viv in the flesh at Thistleburr. Oh. Viv and Iridia head to the bookshop and it's deathly quiet inside. The bells of Merc have gone silent. In the wreckage of the shop, Fern and Galena have been hung from the ceiling in cocoons of bone. Which sounds really cool, but not great. No, but it also reminds me of Hocus Pocus when yes. she's got the dudes in the cages. In the cages. <laughs> Marine's also waiting, sitting in Viv's chair. Why does everybody seat. sit in her chair? It must be a very comfortable chair. <sighs> Marine is amused by Viv's lies and threats, mocking her that though Blackbird, she was able to get into Viv's dreams. Then she demands her property back. Viv hands Marine the book and as she caresses it and croons over it, very, you know, Sanderson-esque. Yes. She's very Winifred Sanderson-esque. Yes, yes. Vereen notices the, the um, dog-eared page. Vereen turns to the page and as she flattens out the fold... Thank goodness, oh my God. When we all take a sigh of relief. Satchel's hand reaches out and grabs Vereen and starts to pull. It takes a lot of effort by Satchel and an enthusiastic pot roast knocking her off balance and biting her arm, but they are able to force Marine into the book. Unfortunately, pot roast, still attached to her arm by his beak, goes in with her. No! No, pot roast, pot the best of us. Viv reaches inside the book, grabs pot roast, and pulls him out before slamming the book shut and using all her strength to keep it closed. Look, can I just say, we're so sad about pot roast being stuck in the book, but what about Satchel? We'll find out. (sighs) The book fights back, and eventually it pulses, releasing a pressure. The pounding from within the book has stopped. All at once, the bones holding Fern and Galena fall apart. Viv opens the book... To the dog-eared page. And the upper half of Satchel pulls himself through the portal from the underspace. Once free of the pages, Viv drives black blood through the book. Eight hells! Satchel's plan from days ago actually worked! Woo! Look, you gotta trust Satchel. He knows what's up. He knows exactly what's up. 
Three days later, in the battered interior of Thistlebar, Fern holds her first book club. More people turn up than there are chairs to sit in, and they definitely should have had more scones ordered. Surprisingly, Zelia joins them, which is good since it's her book they're discussing. Burke watches with Viv and Merely. As Fern welcomes everyone to the book club, she also introduces Satchel. With Vereen dead, he no longer needs the bone dust to animate and has gained his freedom. I was terrified they were going to run out of bone dust. I know. Me too, because they kept, they kept doing it. They just kept animating Every him. Day, Every day, sprinkling, like, oh, sprinkling him. I was terrified. They're going to run out. Eventually, Rackham's ravens return to Merc. Viv gives Rackham Vereen's book, and though it'll be a tricky thing to cash it in for the bounty as proof of her death, Viv has every confidence he'll do it. She also introduces Galena as the girl who saved her ass in a street fight. As Viv tidies her room at the perch, Maylee stops by. Viv doesn't get the chance to say anything, and as much as Maylee would like Viv to stay, she knows they're in two different places in their lives and respects that and has no regrets over their short time together. Viv goes to Thistlebur one last time to return a book and say her goodbyes. Fern tells her, property damage notwithstanding, it has been an honor to be good friends with her. For now, Satchel will remain in Merc and Thistlebur, but thanks her for helping him get his freedom. As Viv leaves, Fern tells her, see you in the story past the story. Many years later, Tandri returns to Legends and Lattes with a letter for her wife, Viv, postmarked from Merck. In it, Fern tells her she received news of Viv's shop and success from Zelia Greatstrider. She admits her life has not been perfect, but has been satisfactory. Merely found someone she needed and Satchel moved on, and though she is pleased he chose to do more than stay, she is lonely and expresses her wish to come to Thune to see her old friend and hopes she is kept reading. When Viv finishes her letter, Tandri offers to make them coffee while Viv tells her about her time in Merck. Viv also wonders if the place next door is still for sale and if Cal would be up for another renovation because Thune definitely use a bookstore. <laughs> get a peek of the story past the story. I know, it's precious! <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh. Okay. Everyone take a moment to think about everything that has happened in this precious, precious book, but do not think about the dog-eared pages. Oh. Can't believe you said that again. I know, I'm sorry. I'm not Trigger sorry. warning. Trigger I warning. Know, I know. <sighs> we'll be back. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny. 
and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. I love these books. Me too. I love these books so much. Me too. I know they're not filled with murder and blood and guts and mystery and horror and mayhem and the cozy fantasies, but I just love them. <laughs> but they do have some, you know, murder. And there were some bones. Definitely in this one. There were bones yes. in this one. Yes. And there was some gore in the first one. Remember when she pulls that stone and it's like all bleh, bleh, out. That's true. And there was at least one dead body in the first one as well. Yeah. It's just not... It's not the driving factor. No. In them. And it's just nice, cozy reads. Yeah. Which is probably why they're so successful, because they are so different to a lot of what's out there. And I think when I was Googling for the recommendations earlier um, today, before we were recording, that I think these have, these books have helped spurred a lot of other authors into thinking, actually, we don't need to have these adrenaline-filled or, you know, overly complicated storylines. We yeah. need something that people can just comfortably slip into. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not just a regular sort of cozy book where everything's just so sweet and flowery and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a nice, there's a nice crossover and it's not just a cutesy little baker uh, opening a shop and, you know, bringing her scones over to the cute girl who moves in. Like, they're, they're not orcs. the hallmark of books. No, they're they're orcs and dwarves and ratkins and skeletons, and it's fantastic. Yes, yes, it's like if Hallmark were to radically change up their movies and have them with orcs and stuff, Look, it would you know it wouldn't be. I'm probably more likely to watch them. Uh, yes, <laughs> I have never watched a Hallmark movie, but if Hallmark made. Bookshops and Bone Dust or Legends and Lattes, I would watch the hell out of those movies. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's nice. It's nice. But, I mean, I like I like this one for the fact that Fern had such a potty mouth. I know. She was... She was just effing so and blinding. I mean, she had... She had a sailor's... Well, you know, they do live right there. Amazing. They they are right there, right by the sea. So it makes sense that she has, you know, the mouth of a dirty, dirty, dirty sailor. I know. And if you've read Legends and Lattes, obviously bo- bo- Bookshops and Born Dusts is set 20 years before Legends and Lattes. So it is a prequel story, but you do not need to have read Legends Mm-mm. and Lattes. No. Either, you can read them in either order, which is great. Um, but if you have read Legends and Lattes, you think about Thimble and how shy Thimble was and how he just basically like whispered everything and then you've got Fern who's like fuck's sake piss <laughs> off is it moist he's <laughs> <laughs> just like you dirty girl I freaking love you <laughs> she's amazing Ugh. yes um yes. I I love Fern. She's not my favorite character, which we will get to that in a moment, but I love Fern and her bookshop, and I just loved everything that she did to, 
you know, once she realizes, oh, you know, I got to do some stuff to get this shop working a little bit better. You know, thanks, Viv. But uh, I I appreciate the fact that she wraps up the books and writes things on the covers to try to get them to sell. I mean, that's a thing that librarians do. We do that to try to yes. persuade people to check out books, you know, spice it up a little bit. And just the... Uh, I really felt a connection to Fern because right now, as many listeners probably know or maybe they don't know, but I am opening a new branch of my library system and I feel like Fern right now because I'm like trying to, I don't have very many books and so I'm trying to organize things and make everything look really nice and wondering like, oh, should this shelf be here or should it be over here? And I just like want to keep rearranging things and like, oh, here's this rug and here's this chair and do they look nice right there? Should I move them around? And I just love it. It's it feels so real, even though she's a book seller, not a librarian. Barn would make an excellent librarian. She really would. But to be fair, I mean, given the deal that she has with um, Viv, she is. She's just lending. She is. She's, she's acting lending. like a librarian. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if Fern didn't have a, like a, a case that was for. Loaning rather than purchasing. Yeah, you know, because that means that that would work in the fact that you're getting people into the shop to read a book. Yes, and especially if it's all just you know the first book in a series. Yes, I need to read the second one. Now we're gonna have to buy that one. (laughs) But I love how much joy she gets in finding a a book for Viv to read and knowing that Viv likes it and then when Viv comes back the next day and they start talking about it like that's what a good book lover you know bookstore owner librarian that's what they do they make connections with their patrons and they learn about what they like and they're like oh have I got something for you the next time you come in and you just it's amazing that's it she she reels her in with 10 links yes and then she just started giving her very different books as well. Yeah. So she isn't just, she's not relying on just feeding Viv the swashbuckling murder stories. Yeah. You know, there's the murder, mis- there's the mysteries, there's the moist yes. books. You know, there's the, the second one, I can't remember, it's a heart's blade or something. And yeah. It just requires a little bit more thinking and about friendship. And, you know, she, she constantly gives her different styles and genres of books to read. And it's expanding Viv's imagination and palette. Yes. And, yeah, that's what a good librarian, bookseller, bibliophile will do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, if you liked this try this <gasps> which is well it's like it reminds me of when we were reading pocket peaches at the beginning of the year and we said you know we love our murder and mayhem but we love our cute adorableness yes and you know having that wide spectrum you know as book podcasters if we only covered horror books if we were niche and only did horror then you know that's one thing but we do like other books and we do like expanding and broadening out experimenting and if people want to make recommendations you know we'll listen to them and have a look not all recommendations are suitable for the podcast right 
but we'll certainly look into them um or we might read them for ourselves because you know we will do that as well um because we we love that book community. We love foistering that book community. And, you know, hashtag always be plugging. We have a Discord now. And, you know, we do have the Every Heart of Doorway, the Wayward Children Chronicles um, chat in there. Mm-hmm. But we do have one that's for general. So I would encourage people who just want to talk about books to join our Discord. Yeah, definitely. You don't and just have... join in the general chat. Yeah. You don't have to be reading Every Heart a Doorway. You can come and just join the general chat and say, I've just read this book. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for people who aren't on Facebook as well, because we do have the Facebook book club, which people can um, join. And, you know, I don't think we've refused every, anybody entrance into that. Mm-hmm. And you can post on there. But at least, you know, on the Discord, you have that instant give and take because it's international like the facebook one is but there's always somebody awake yeah and like with facebook you know you you don't always see all of the posts that are made no, that's and very it's very frustrating it algorithm. is really very frustrating especially for us because we're not huge and if you don't see our posts which we have a lot of posts in there there's no interaction because you just you just aren't shown them by the algorithm but with the discord like you and I are in there. We're there. We're talking about books with you, the listeners. And we've had several people jump in and talk. And it's it's a lot of fun. We like it. It is. And I really want to thank our super fans as well, who yes. instantly jumped into that Discord. Like, yes. as soon as we even hinted that there was going to be one, they're like, Anne, can we have a link, please? I'm like, uh, we need to set it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, just that enthusiasm. I really, honestly, hand on heart thank you to our super fans who are instantly in there and they are keeping that conversation going and it's brilliant yeah. so yeah you you guys you know absolutely knock it out of the park and we love you to death yes we do and you so know much. this, this it, having bookshops and bone dust it really made me think when we were having that book club i was like yeah if we could have in-person book club oh, not so virtual good. If we could have in person, it would be absolutely amazing. But we do not live in a fantasy world, unfortunately. No. We aren't orcs and dwarfs and elves. And no. and we live all we, over the globe. We are international. That The next best thing is having that discord. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it just means that you have to provide your own baked goods. Right. Uh, which is a thing. But you know, that also enough. means you get to eat exactly what you want to eat. And you get to eat as much as you want to eat. Yeah. No one's, <laughs> you don't have to no share. one's there judging you. Like, did you just eat a fifth scone? Well, yes, but... <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> They're only small. They're not huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, part plug, part relating to the thing. Join us on the Discord. We are putting the links are all over our socials. So, yeah, yeah get yourselves in there. Yeah, please do. Um, Come join us. We have a good time. <laughs> relating a little bit to what we've just been saying about scones like is Travis Baldry just constantly hungry he's got to <laughs> because be because he has to be. legends and lattes like you know with the thin bits and the chocolate crescents and let's oh. just face it the croissants the biscotti and the cinnamon rolls oh. and you know honestly my husband just read legends and lattes he's finally picked up the book after me pestering him about it and he he admitted the first 50 80 pages 
a bit slow and he was like i don't know if i'm going to enjoy this like you said i was going to but then all of a sudden it just hit him and he's like no no this is brilliant this is absolutely i am he's looking forward to reading bookshops and bone dust now and i said to him just you'll say something to me at one point and you are going to be hungry for the rest of the book and he just put the book down he looked at us he went claire i need some cinnamon rolls i was like (laughs) yes yes Yes. (laughs) unfortunately i didn't have the ingredients to make him cinnamon rolls this weekend so i've made him snickerdoodles instead delicious for the first time ever so i'm quite excited um but yeah i was reading bookshop and bone dust and with sea song bakery miley like just bread and scones and i just want to know what all these delectable things Mm. are and there's a gorgeous bakery uh, in the next city like where i work uh, over and i just want to go there and just stand and smell and purchase (sighs) but honestly i would put on 10 stones (laughs) It was amazing. So yeah, I can only imagine that Travis Baldry must be constantly hungry. Yes, definitely. Do you know what I really appreciated in this book is the story after the story coming back in the epilogue and seeing, you know, 20 years have have passed. So this is the Viv that you know from Legends and Lattes. And she's there... And she and Tandry got married. And it's just so cute. It's so precious. And now, you know, maybe we're going to open up a bookshop next door. And how perfect would that be? They would have to break down a wall and you have to be able to go in between both places. Oh, heck yeah. Imagine fern on coffee. Oh my God, that would be dangerous. A caffeinated fern would be amazing. Yes. Yeah. It would it would be all the fucks but like triple speed. And how scared will Thimble be of her? Oh my gosh. But then what if they become best friends? Oh, I can imagine that happening, but also he's like scary intimidated by Fern. Yeah. And then a caffeinated Fern, he's like <gasps> and he just I've just got this image of him hiding in the kitchen when he's are coming cuz he's just like He's intimidated by her. Yes. I can just see him, like, holding up a treat and, like, shaking. Just shaking. (laughs) And then she eats it and she's like, fuck, this is amazing. (laughs) This is the shit. And he's like, I don't know if that's good or not. Thank you. And Viv's like, it means she enjoys it. Okay. (laughs) He just scurries away. Oh, bless. Oh, I do really want to, because I feel like I've had a taste with the story after the story, with the epilogue. I feel like I've had a taste of how things are going and I want to go back and see what's going on. Like, there was, oh, what was the bard called? It's got out of my head. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, Just, I want to see how he's going with his music and what else is on the menu and, yeah. you know... You just want to go... It's like going back and seeing old friends. You just want to keep revisiting. So, yeah, yeah if we can have the Murder, She Wrote one based in Thune and then, you know, they'll go and get a coffee at Legends and Latias and read a book from Fern's new bookshop, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I have a question. And it's it's kind of would you rather but it's also not because it's not included in Would You Rather and we're not at that point in the episode yet. But I, I, think, like, I know what you're going to ask. Like, which of those books would you rather read? The books that Viv read. The books that Fern made Viv read, which one would you rather read? 
Ten Links in the Chain, Heart Song. Sea of Passion. The one about the... I can't think of what it is, and mystery. I don't want to scroll back up the mystery book. Which one do you want to read? Oh. Um, it's the moist one. Just say it. Just say you want to read the moist sea one. Sea of Passion. Yeah, I want to read Zelia Great Strider's books. Yeah. That mystery one's doing my head in now. It had something to do with Grimm, didn't it? I don't know. In my the head, lens and the dapple Grimm. I just in my head, I kept saying Dingleberry. <laughs> yeah, I did not read it right, and I'll be honest, I spelled it a million ways when I first wrote it down. But yeah, the lens and the dapple Grimm. I'm like, what the hell is a dapple Grimm? The lens and the Dingleberry. Yes, Dingle Dongle. I think that's what I said <laughs> in my head, which would surprise no one. No. <laughs> What did you think of like the, the, the tenseness, like the the driver, like Vereen the pale being like the constant threat in the background, and having the creepy hooded man and as the the quote unquote threat in the book, the thing that disturbs the the coziness. You know, I really like it because I like necromancers. Well, yes. Um, so I I like that, but I never one time felt unsafe. When I was reading it, yeah, because, like, I know I don't have anything to worry about because Viv is there. And if something bad happens, she's going to take care of it. So I was just like, yeah, bring it on. Bring on the necromancer. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I want to see your fighter. I think that's one of the things with, like, sequel books. You know Viv is going to be fine. Yeah. The element of threat isn't there, which I suppose helps adding add to the coziness that, you know, there's no real threat. Yeah. There's no, but at the same time, I mean, one of the other characters could have, you know, merely could have been killed. Fern could have been killed. Satchel could not have been able to come back. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I just, wants... I don't think he would. I don't think Travis Baldry would do that to us. No, it, I don't think that's the point of his books. No, he's not to kill off these characters. It's the bad guys can get it. Yes, certainly. You know, they can take a cat to the face, or yeah, you know, a book or a. Griffith to the arm. Yes. Yes. I think the reason why Viv did not pull um, Satchel out of the book was because Satchel was helping keeping Varin in the book. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, even though he wasn't missing, he was missing half his skeletal frame, um, because it's established that if you put, if you stay, if something living is in there too long, it dies. Yeah, but he's not living. Um, he's a skeleton. But he's not living. He's a skeleton. So he was there to hold Varin down and make sure she couldn't pull through. Yeah. Um. So as much as I'm like, pull him out at the same time as pot roast. Um. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But then he did get pulled out, and then he got reunited with the rest of his bones that were in his satchel. I mean, it was all a setup, and it was fine. Yes. It was fine. It was fine. I do wonder where Satchel is and what he's doing now. I don't know. I mean, maybe he just got tired. Just laid his little bones to rest somewhere. I can't, I can't see that happening. I think he... Not yet. I think I think he's out just experiencing things, yeah. adventuring. Yeah. You might put on a pair of pants. Might not. A tabard. It's hard to say. I, can I tell you? Satchel was obviously my favorite character. I love yes. him. And he was so precious. And he was really trying 
to tell them what they needed to know without the lady catching on. Oh, they were so dense. They were so <gasps> dense. He's like, hmm, let me just go over here and tidy this area of the shows. Like in his little blue could, eyes, his glowing. You can see that the glowing eyes, like shifting that in di- that direction. Yes. Mm. Oh, I'm just gonna go and exercise. <laughs> um, but can I tell you that I want Satchel to be BFFs with your Scully Joe? <laughs> I know he's right there. He's there, and he approves this message. Don't you, Scully? I want them to be best friends, and I want them to go on adventures together. I think they would be best friends. You'd go on adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your favourite character? Also Satchel? Also Satchel, and also Fern for her potty mouth, because... Yes. Some, was it that Annie said, sometimes the only word is fuck? Uh, the only sometimes the is only fuck. appropriate word is fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Fern embodies that, and yeah. I can get behind that 100%. Yeah. Now I feel like we need to revamp. <laughs> we need to revamp <laughs> that shirt with a tiny little ratkin saying it. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh! A version two edition. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cute. All right, now I gotta learn how to draw a rat. <laughs> Give me some time. <laughs> it's a promise, not promise. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Did you have any surprises? Because I think sometimes with these books, it's a little difficult to have a surprise. I think that I was just surprised to find out in the epilogue that Viv and Tandry got married. I mean, and it wasn't like, that's not that's not a shock, because obviously they love each other very much in Legends and Lattes, but it's just like, oh, it's a precious little thing. So I, I that's my surprise. Yeah. Mine. That did that did surprise me. It was nice to go to the to Legends and Liars and it didn't surprise me that they were they were married. I, I enjoyed it though. Yeah. It was that Iridia didn't even attempt to question Viv or Galena or the creepy hooded man like at all. She was just like, Oh, I'm just gonna let them stew about it overnight. And they'll yeah. talk to me in the morning. Like, you didn't even get his, like, attempt to get his name. Yeah. I just find that very strange. And somewhat neglectful of the job, thinking, oh, I'm just going to use this tactic. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Are things too quiet that when something does happen, you don't know what to do? Because, you know what, please admit that. Yeah, I think she just had some prejudices against Viv being an orc and being an outsider to the town and obviously she's disrupting things because she strangled the surgeon on her first well, <laughs> her first time there she almost kills the surgeon so i think that she's just she's just got this preconceived notion and it's and it's wrong but and i think fair, that's I mean, to blame yeah, I 100% agree. And to be fair, though, like, the first time you meet Iridia, it's when Viv is hurt and she's carrying a saber. And it heavily feels like, to me, 
the reason she doesn't like us because she's an adventurer and she's carrying a saber. Like instantly, you're carrying a saber, you are out for trouble in my town. When it's like, well, her job requirement is to be a fighter, and she's used to having a weapon strapped to her. Yeah, it's like you just gotta get so... to know somebody a little bit before you immediately judge them. Yeah, it it's, she, she was to harken back to last week a judgy bitch. I know. I was just about to say, don't be like me last week <laughs> but yeah i just felt very frustrated that iridia did absolutely nothing it's like hang on who's the most incompetent geared warden here iridia or luca mm. i mean who's luca got to look up to though it's true mm. that's true i think you need to do some in-house assessment there love yeah, definitely you're smelling a little bit yellow Oh, dang. (laughs) Should we move on? Yes. We asked, would you rather own a tavern or a bakery? Um, On Facebook, 63% said bakery. On Instagram, 75% said bakery. On threads, 100% tavern. And on TikTok, 53% bakery. With those stats, I'm very disappointed by the lack of baking stuff that fills my social media feeds yeah. from people. Yeah. So pull your fingers out, loves. We have comments. We have quite a few, actually. Colin on Facebook said, Tavern all the way. I'll fulfil all the drunken fantasies and discussions of opening a pub. It'll be called Logan's after my first RPG character. And the walls will be covered fantasy stuff like weapons and troll heads. Oh, nice. And Bree has already volunteered to be his first patron, so... Good, good. (laughs) Katrina on Facebook says, Another tough question, since they both require odd working hours. But I'd say a tavern, since I used to be a barmaid, and the work would feel more familiar to me. Drew on Facebook said, I'm all about cakes. Claire, not you, on Facebook said, Ooh, that is tough. But I've worked in pubs, so I think I'd be much more qualified there. And Constance on Facebook said, With my skill, it would be criminal not to do a bakery. That is 100% true. Accurate. Coral on Facebook said, I can only imagine how dirty a tavern can get. So, no thanks. I'll take the bakery with yummy cakes any day. Suzanne on Facebook said, I'd rather own a bakery. (sighs) That one hits hard. Suzanne had a very fantastic bakery, but was bullied by local Republicans and had to shut down. Fuck you, Republicans. Fuck you. She had the best fucking cookies I have ever had in my (gasps) life. You've told me about these on multiple occasions. I know. <gasps> Most delicious cookies I've ever had. Oh, my God. Do you know what? Some people are scum of the earth. They really, really are. What shit stains. Absolute <sighs> shit stains. Oh, I'm angry for you now. I I'm know. angry. I know. Vincent on Facebook says, Tavern. I can't bake for toffee, so that would be right out. But I can pull a pint and listen to patrons tell me their woes. Plus, I could have a burlesque show going on once a week in a tavern, but that would be really weird in a bakery. He nearly had his bum in my cream horn there, Gladys. (laughs) 
However, I do kind of want to see that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would go there. <laughs> Charlotte on Facebook said, Bakery. I love to cook and bake. My daughter wants to be a pastry chef and I am a morning person. Charlotte's hitting something very important here mm-hmm. and I think Katrina mm-hmm. does as well, which mm-hmm. is going to come into my response. Yes. Brie on Facebook says, Bakery. I'd have more fun taste testing the merchandise there than a tavern. True. Annie on Facebook said, Drunken fools? <laughs> no, thank you. I'll take the cinnamon rolls instead. Lindsay Claire on Instagram says, I highly recommend the Slaughtered Lamb Bookstore and Bar by Shauna Kelly. It's a bookstore and bar for supernatural beings. Thanks for that recommendation, <laughs> Lindsay. Is that the one that Lindsay... Is that I've got for, I've got for Christmas? Is that the one she sent you? You'll have to find it later. You've got a million books back there. I can see where it is, but um, I've got wires, so... And a skeleton... So but I'll, I'm going to check in a bit. I'm glad that you have a skeleton. <laughs> Why isn't a skeleton? <laughs> My response is easy. I'm going to say tavern because I do love to bake. Um, I mean, I've baked snickerdoodles and a cake this weekend, but it's a hobby and I would not want to turn that into a profession. And I'm not um, finesse enough for a bakery. I'm, very, I'm, I'm a whole baker. Yeah. Plus... I am not a morning person. I can be awake at two, three o'clock in the morning, but I've got to have been awake. Yeah. I can't get up at two or three o'clock mm. in the morning no. to bake people. No. So I'd rather, much rather have a tavern. And we've got to remember, this is a fantasy tavern as well. So it's not like going to your local where it's full of, you know, the old drunk guys who sit in the same stool all the time. It's, can be whatever you want it to be yeah i i choose tavern as well um as much as i am a person who would rather sit in a dark corner by myself not talking to anyone when i am in my work mode when i am librarian amanda being in public like i love talking to people and recommending stuff and just hearing about your day so I think that would be better for me, having a tavern, because I wouldn't have to be, like, in the back, constantly baking, constantly doing stuff, making sure everything's, like, timed perfectly. I would rather be out, you know, mixing drinks, chatting with my patrons. Cleaning that one glass. Yes, the one glass. I'm so glad that she finally asked him about that, too. Like, is that? the same glass like do any of the rest of them get clean and he's like oh well you see if i'm cleaning this one everyone assumes that they're all clean (laughs) gross can i have that one in my drink for my drink please okay i'm gonna have a tavern with tabletop games on a bookshelf yes of course of course Next question. Would you rather go after the Spineback Bounty or Vereen the Pale's Bounty? I'm going to say a Spineback Bounty because I think unless you have the knowledge that Satchel provides and Vereen's book, you're screwed. Mm. At least with the Spineback Bounty, it, I mean, it's going to be a difficult fight, but you're going to, you've got a better success rate. I'd rather go after Vereen. I don't want to kill animals, even if they're, you know, monsters who are eating your 
sheep. Fair. I'd rather Fair. kill a white, kill a mon like that kind of You'd human You'd rather be killed by shape. the necromancer than kill a spineback. Yes, because then she can probably bring me back. <laughs> and you can be purse. I don't want to be purse. <laughs> I don't want to be purse. I don't like purses. I like no, you satchel. Be purse. No, don't no, make me purse. No, we've already got a satchel. Well, I don't want to be purse. Can I be? Do you want to be cute backpack? Tiny backpack. <gasps> fanny pack. Fanny pack. That's You're fanny pack. I'm fanny pack. You're gonna be fanny pack. I'm gonna be fanny pack. <laughs> yes, you can. You can go after her in the pail, and you can then you know be killed and brought back as fanny pack. I will be fanny pack. One thousand percent, I will be fanny pack. We we call them bum bags in the UK. No, nope, fanny I pack. Fanny pack is fanny better. pack is better. Fanny pack is so much better. Just ask Kendara Blake. Oh my god, yes, Kendara, that legend, Kendara. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Would you rather have Marine's magic book or? Satchel. Oh, how dare you ask that question? Cause that book is so fucking cool. The book is amazing. Satchel is amazing. <gasps> so terrible. Such a hard question. Um. <sighs> okay. I can't believe I'm about to say this. As much as I love Satchel, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take the book because I might find a Satchel or something equally as cool inside it. And yes, Satchel that... was in there at one point, so I could pull him out and rescue him. That's my exact reasoning as well. Plus, to add in, Satchel, you know, and it's almost like servitude yeah Even... and I, I, I would want him to be a voluntary yes. companion on my adventures yes so if I get the magic book there may be purse fanny pack in there or fanny pack fanny pack might be in the back of the book mm-hmm. and we can pull fanny pack out and fanny pack's like yay thank you I'll join you for an adventure yes yeah yeah Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna, let's pick Varin's magic book and pull out a fanny pack. Yes, definitely. Yes, perfect. We have a, we have our adventuring party. But can I just say, for the love of fuck, do not dog ear those pages. I will you can, vomit. No. You will open the page to the dog eared book, and if I am inside as fanny pack, I will projectile vomit out of it. No, no. I will use receipts. I'll use gift card vouchers. I've got stacks of stuff that I use as random bookmarks here. Like, do you want a bent out of shape Starbucks gift card that's got nothing on it? Or a piece of paper that my son's drawn on? I've got receipts. I've got scraps of paper that get stickers that get used as bookmarks. I've got bookmarks. I do have bookmarks. I just don't use them as bookmarks. But what the hell I do not do is dog ear a book because Ugh. if you do, you're a monster. Ugh. Remember that episode a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Grimmer and you kept almost throwing up? Yeah. You there? That is where I am right now. Post Postcards. 
postcards are great bookmarks. Ugh. I love a postcard, especially one that's been sent to me. Yeah. She says, covering her address. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Move on. Move on. Move on. Moving on, yes. Would you rather fight with a sword, a saber, a mace, or a hammer? I would rather pick a sword because it's an elegant weapon and requires finesse and actual knowledge to use. But because of those, a mace or a hammer is probably easier because you just knock people's heads off. Yeah. If I'm tutored in it, if I'm if I'm skilled, I'm picking sword. If it's unskilled, I'm picking mace. Yes, I think that's a really good answer. Um, I feel like a mace will be slightly more painful than a hammer. Yeah, I want one, I want a spiky mace. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's what I'm going to choose as well. Although I think in in the grand scheme of things, I would like to have a like daggers. Yeah. I mean, you got to get close with a dagger, but I don't know. I feel like I would be less likely to cut off something that I'm not supposed to be cutting off if I have a dagger, unless it's my own finger, which could also happen. Yeah, I should just bash things. Hammer, mace. I always like the idea as well of like a long sword and a dagger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like Gideon the Nine thing. Yeah. 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 If, like I say, I have the skill right. and yeah. I've learnt. Yeah. If I'm just picking up the weapon and wielding it, then the mace is probably a better option. Yeah, probably. Heavy though would be heavy. Yeah. But if I'm picking it up, there's motivation. So motivation's nine-tenths of your strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, last question. Would you rather have sword fights, beheadings, betrayals, or moist? Obviously, we're at uh, Fern's mystery book sale. Uh, Sword fights, beheadings, and betrayals, please. (laughs) As much as I love how much we've been giggling about moist, I don't want want to read a moist book, friends. (laughs) Give me beheadings. I want the moist book then. I'll take the moist. I'll take the moist section. You can take the sword fightings, beheadings, and betrayals. Okay. I like it. It's good. I would. I think. We, I think we'll have to do a posting in the fictional hangover um, Facebook book club. Yes. Of your favorite book in three words. We'll describe your book as a mystery book sale. Yes, that would be really fun. I think we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could do it in the Discord. Ha ah, yeah. Or we could do them both. Oh, and we can put a link yes. to the Discord in the Facebook book club post. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Favorite final thought quote? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> well, she said shit. But I mean, is that me or is that Fern? Hard to say. Um, Hard to say. Hard to say. Oh, well, what we're talking about is so I'm going to give you this one. She mouthed one word. Moist. No. <laughs> Scorns and sexy books? Yes, please. Yes, Again. Please. Real life? Um, book. 
Never trust a writer who doesn't have too many books to read. Or a reader, for that matter. Yes, oh my god. <laughs> See you in the story, past the story. Oh. That was that really hit something in me when mm-hmm. I read it in the book. I was yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I will also add, I did like when she said, Ed, um, a good bookseller doesn't kiss and tell. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You got any more or is it my turn? Well, I mean, I think this one, I'm just going to give you one more just because I read it and I was like, yes, yes. Kiss who you want, you grown-ups. Oh, yeah. I mean, it did come up with the I'm just grateful for the side benefits because Fern benefits from the baked goods from Seasong Bakery. Yes. But honestly, that first half, kiss who you want, you grown-ups. Yeah. It's all we need. Yeah. What have you got? All right. Um, let's see. What do I have? I feel like this one is really, like it really means something to us as fictional hangover. For some reason, the concept of an author being a real person you might bump into on your way down the street seemed impossible to imagine. But we've made so we've made friends with so many authors. It's it's yeah. kind of weird, but just like it's all, still like meeting a rock star, isn't it? It is. It is. Remember that time I met Jackson Ford and I almost peed my pants. I, I'm so impressed that you didn't. No, literally, I fell to my knees when he walked in the door because first I wasn't expecting him I was expecting to get a text from him like hey I'm outside come and meet me before I walk into this building by myself nope collapsed (laughs) (laughs) I am dead yep okay I'm menacing for a living again (laughs) real life or book (laughs) you decide (sighs) okay Um, let's see I think and I have one more. No, I have two more. Sorry. Um, every book is a little mirror, and sometimes you look into it and see someone else looking back. Ooh. I love that. As a librarian, it's so true. I think sometimes books are mirrors, and sometimes books are windows, and sometimes you need to read both of those things. Yes. And finally... Again, another librarian special feeling that I got. I don't know if I can explain it, but watching you read what I give you, putting a book in your hands and seeing what happens to you once you put it back down, I can't make you understand how that gives me something I didn't know I had to have. It's so true. I love it. I just love it so much. And so many feels. Surprised. Yeah, there's so many things that Fern says are just absolutely quotable. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading it, I was thinking how Fern is very like you. Because she's made of fucks? Because yeah. she's made of fucks. <laughs> she's desperately made of fucks. Um, but also just the joy she takes in handing somebody a book and knowing they're going to enjoy it but they yeah. don't realize how much they're going to enjoy and it and then laughing about it being moist yeah 100 percent. i am burned yeah i can imagine you watching people in the library not creepily but just Thank watching you. people enjoy reading 
a book or you know when you get the young readers in or somebody hasn't read a book for a while and you hand that book to them and say yeah here you go here's a book you might enjoy it and you have just foisted somebody's love of reading again and that is an absolute superpower it's just it's 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 amazing and the job satisfaction so i saw a lot like a lot of fern but what i didn't see that was fern and you is that she's she in many ways she gave up and she didn't know what she wanted yeah and she didn't know whether she was doing it for her sake or for her father's sake which was a little great character moment sure but i was like that's not amanda amanda knows what she wants and she knows that she's going to get and she's doing it because you are building a library right now yeah. literally this very second i'm watching you do it yeah <laughs> so yeah but yeah she's made of fucks yeah made of fucks thank you that was if i wasn't you know dead inside that would have really meant a lot to me and it actually did it really did mean a lot to me so thank you for saying that i might have had a quarter of an emotion just then oh my god the first quarter of emotion you've had this year i know wow maybe i'll get to one you might get a whole emotion a whole ass emotion we'll see we'll see okay we got like a whole year to go it's only january i know still january (laughs) okay if you liked this try this what are you going to suggest i am going to suggest it's not a book i've read yet but i was like i need i need some other cozy fantasies that i can fall back to when i have that moment between fictional hangover books (laughs) and my massive tbr pile which is ever increasing um (laughs) side note i got an email notification that i'm due a delivery on monday from from waterstones i'm like i don't know what this book is so let's see what happens on monday um so just keep this is the problem when you just do a massive pre-orders and past past claire makes pre-orders that future claire gets to enjoy yes um so i thought i'm gonna have a look to see what cozy fantasies are out there because like i said earlier in the 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 episode i think legends and lattes and now bookshops and bone dust has spurred on this cozy fantasy genre a bit more Mm -hmm. and i found one called the bookshop and the barbarian by (laughs) morgan stang and i want to read this book desperately okay tell us about it so the summary running from strife in her homeland marabella waters becomes the new owner of the fabled cozy quill after finding squatters on her property she employs asteria helsdottir a giant barbarian warrior woman more accustomed to swinging an axe and opening a book together the odd couple must make a success out of the bookshop and survive a dizzying procession of seasonal festivals but the local evil noblewoman has other plans in mind. Threatened with being run off the land, Marabella and Asteria must use their wits to outsmart Lady Millicent and keep their business open. Along the way, the whole town lends a hand and friendships are forged, along with a few secrets revealed. The Bookshop and the Barbarian is a low-stakes, comedic and cosy fantasy with a slice-of-life sapphic romance. It's about the celebration of books, autumn and winter, community, friendship and unexpected romance. And it's also very patiently waiting for you to pick it up and read it. I think that sounds massively, not even tenuous link. Full links. Full links to bookshops and and bone dust. It kind of just sounds like we were like, yeah... Fuck yeah, Travis Baldry is on to it. Stealing his ideas. 
Yeah, it, I mean, I'm not saying no. It, it, no he is, he is, he is the gate. He has opened the gateway for people yes. to be able to produce these books. In my yeah. opinion, um, or you know, he is helping popularize the genre. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I do like the idea of the bookshop and the barbarian. It sounds very fun. Yes, it does. What did you pluck out? I went a slightly different way, but still hashtag tenuous links. I am going to suggest Sword Heart by T. Kingfisher because how many oh, books by T. Love. Kingfisher do we recommend? And there's a million of them. We need to cover more, actually. We, really we recommend do. them. We, don't we recommend them all the time. We need to cover them. That, that, that's we our do. ambition for this year, to cover another Kingfisher book. Yeah, at least one. <laughs> okay. At least. Halla is a housekeeper who has suddenly inherited her great uncle's estate. And unfortunately, his relatives. Sarkis is an immortal swordsman trapped in a prison of enchanted steel. When Hala draws the sword that imprisons him, Sarkis finds himself attempting to defend his new wielder against everything from bandits and roving inquisitors to her own in-laws. And the sword itself may prove to be the greatest threat of all. So I don't know, I kind of got a feeling of pulling the sword from the book and i don't know sounds like fun no i'm i'm i'm, I'm picking up what you you're putting down i yeah. like that yeah and i don't think you can go wrong with her tj kingfisher i think she's she's good yeah she knows her craft yeah yeah do we have anything in the new and indie spotlight that would be appropriate yes yes we do it's it's a it's also another hashtag tenuous link, but maybe a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. You decide how hashtag tenuous it is. It's called The Honey Witch by Sydney J. Shields. And this one doesn't come out until May of this year. So you've got a while before you can get it in your hands. 21-year-old Marigold Claude has always preferred the company of the spirits of the meadow to any of the suitors who have tried to woo her. So when her grandmother whisks her away to the family cottage on the tiny Isle of Innisfree with an offer to train her as the next honey witch, she accepts immediately. But her newfound magic and independence come with a price. No one can fall in love with the honey witch. When Lottie Burke, a notoriously grumpy skeptic who doesn't believe in magic, shows up on her doorstep, Marigold can't resist the challenge to prove to her that magic is real. But soon, Marigold begins to care for Lottie in ways she never expected. And when darker magic awakens and threatens to destroy her home, she must fight for more than her new home, at the risk of losing her magic and her heart. Hmm. It sounds like it could be quite sad, actually. I know. Hopefully it's not. But we have to wait until May to find out. Oh. I know. Anticipation. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I got choked up. (laughs) Okay. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time. As we get back to our monthly theme of late to the party and discuss Tantalize by and with Cynthia Leddick-Smith. 
Look out for our Would You Rather polls and monthly challenges on social media. Don't forget about our book club on Discord. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, threads, TikTok, and YouTube at fictionalhangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.